It's weird looking at you when we do this. I don't usually have to look at you when we do these, but we're trying not to It's a weird thing to say. I, it's not like... It's a weird thing to say. It, no, here's the thing about doing this. Oh, I'll just say that we started Welcome to No Challenges Remaining. I'm Ben Rothenberg. But the weird thing about looking at you, Courtney Nguyen, when we're doing these shows is that we almost always do them over Skype. And now I just feel like such a Zoom native. We're doing this like video chat thing. And I we don't ever really do the show remotely looking at each other. So this is a new... A new vibe. Not that I haven't seen you plenty, but I don't know. My game is a little bit off tonight. Like, like I'm a women's seated player at the U.S. Open, and you know, so be it. It is odd to to be reacting, and also the other thing too is like most of the time when we record, because we just record over Skype and it's just audio. When Ben is talking and going on his long weird missives. <laughs> I just zoom out and I'm just like, whatever, I'm organizing my desk, I'm sharpening pencils, dusting my keyboard. So it's weird to have to perform I know. interest in this moment. But um, but we're going to try it. We're going to do it. We'll see. We'll see if it sounds different. I don't know if it will or it's not. It's interesting. Exercise in being present. As I said, most of the top women are not present in the tournament anymore, at least in the top half. Uh, we are going to talk about that. And this will be a fairly women-centric show. Day three of the US Open, men pretty much chalky. Nothing too exciting happened. Novak Djokovic lost a set to Kyle Evan, but rallied to win in four. He's still kind of his tournament to lose until proven otherwise. He's not yet lost. Uh, but a bunch of big results on the women's side. And some, like, you can sort of debate which is the most surprising one. There's enough to, like, have a real solid debate, but... I'm going to just kind of list them first for consideration. Start at the top. Number one, Carolina Pliskova loses 6-1-7-6 to Caroline Garcia, former top five player. Anne Lee, American, who was one of the players who got into the tournament direct because of the withdrawals. She probably got in a wild card anyway, but she got in direct because of the withdrawals. Trounces Allison Risk, 6-love, six 6-3. Six Risk, who you know we thought would be a very good player on these fast courts, only three games. Uh, Alexandra Sasnovich takes out Marketa Vondrosheva, number 12, one and two. Like, not a shocking result, but that scoreline is is pretty wow. Varvara Gracheva, I'm going to throw in this conversation, really only because of how the match went. She was down 6-1, 5-1 to Kikli Mladenovic, and then won the match. 1-6, uh, 7-6, 6-0 in the third. And then, uh, let's see, we also have Marta Kostik beating Sevastova, who had just beaten Coco Golf. Shelby Rogers, who you flagged Courtney pre-tournament as someone to watch, beat someone who I really thought was ready to have a great round here, potentially, Elena Rabakina, who everyone who listens to the show knows you're a, a big admirer of. Rogers wins that 7-5-6-1 to face in the third round, Madison Brengel, who really dismantled Diana Yashremska, 6-2-6-3, number 19, Diana Yashremska, Rabakina, number 11, those who are keeping point score. That's that's it. That's a, that's a lot of upsets. So it really leaves in terms of seeds left in the top half: Osaka, Kvitova, Kontavate, Martic, Putinseva, Lynette, Kerber, and Jen Brady. Jen Brady, another statement winner, t- one and two today over CC Bellis to get Garcia next. So Courtney, what did you ben. what did you make of day three at, at the Women's Open? Because it felt it felt like we knew. When we did the draw show, we were like, we know we're going to talk about these women. And this is my attitude for the draw show, which I said repeatedly. It was like, I don't have much faith in anything I'm saying here. We're going to, need to reconstruct this over and over again. But now I think we've at you least... Did say that. Now I think at least we've kind of... I think anybody who's won two matches right now is ready to go, right? Like, if you if you get to the third round, yeah. you're pretty much... You're pretty much good to go. 
Like you're here, you're winning. I think that's right. So, so what do you make of what do you make of how the women's field looks right now? Well, I mean, just focusing on the top half because obviously yeah, that's yeah. the the half that where we've seen two matches being played. I mean, I don't. The results were not the the most surprising result for me in terms of the seed upsets was definitely Anne Lee defeating Allison Risk, especially only losing three games to Ali Risk. That was quite surprising. But the other results, the score lines might have been more skewed than I thought they might be, like Rogers versus Rabakin. I didn't think that scoreline would be that way. Garcia completely dominating Pliskova in the first uh, set, at least, of that match um, and really running away with it. But for the most part, it wasn't, I don't know, like, and it wasn't as surprising to me, especially because I had talked to, because obviously when we recorded the podcast, it was before the first round matches had been played. Yep obviously, as draw podcasts go. Mm -hmm. And I think that once I started to talk to the players themselves, and I, I really got to get a sense as to who is feeling comfortable in New York right now, and who is not. And I think that once that became pretty clear, that's when these results became much more understandable to me. That sounds like Pliskova, because Pliskova is the one who yeah. even in Cincinnati, obviously, she lost her first match to Kudermatova, I believe. Yes. And yeah, her just nothing she said in, in press particularly sounded confidence sparing. And the other thing we should say about Pliskova, to keep us in context, she's number one seed in this tournament, but she's number three WTA. Like this would this it seems like a big banner result because of the field. Like a number three seed losing to Caroline Caroline Garcia in the second round. Surprising that Garcia's unseeded is what's surprising about the situation because she's been top five so recently, and we all know she can play. And she likes a fast court, and these are fast courts. So like on paper, it's not surprising. But yeah, Pliskova. Actually, I want to put a clip from her press conference in here. Carolina Pliskova uh, was pretty, pretty defiant. I was not in this press conference, but having looked at the transcript, I was. I she was hot. Yeah, she was hot. She was. She was. And this goes towards as Ben and, and my friends and I, who are in the press corps, talk about all the time. There's kind of this press. There is a way that you manage post lost press conferences, and there is a a delicateness oh, yeah. that if you are experienced enough you know how to do because well i mean if you don't want to be delicate and you want to just go at a player you can do that that is totally but at least be intentional that that is what you're trying to do to get like a reaction out of them but um but yeah the the initial questions coming straight out of the gate to, to pliskova were were quite were more antagonistic i think than maybe the players are used to getting um but uh, but yeah she was she was not having it let's listen to that moment today impressed with carolina pliskova uh, hi, Carolina. I, maybe you can help us sort of get through your head a little bit. A tough loss early last week and the same this week. Was it the court surface? Was it the atmosphere? Is it the pressure of being the number one seed? Can you sort of help us out on this a little bit? I think nothing from what you said, I think was actually not um, none of those matches which I lost was that bad. But I think there are just some girls which are playing good tennis and I think Garcia is one of them. So I think there is nothing more in that. But is there a certain amount of pressure that goes along with being the number one seed? You've only been seeded first in a major once before and it was here at the Open. No, zero pressure from this for me. This has nothing to do with my loss today. Thank you. Well, actually, I can understand that you're not happy. Nobody would be happy at being at your place. But if you would, uh, if you would try to give us uh, some uh, key uh, to understand uh, if there is any reason why you didn't play at your best. I mean, there must be one, and I don't know if you want to tell us. I understand that it is boring to have to answer the journalist. Yeah, a little bit. In this situation. <laughs> 
Did you see the match or no? Yeah, I saw. I saw that. Well, the first set, uh, piece and uh, little pieces uh, where you were playing very badly, but I don't know why. And then in the second set, I saw the end when I thought you were going to probably to win. I was thinking that once you were up, I think six five. Or uh, I, I think you, you had, I know, I was almost convinced that you were going to be, to go to the third set. But I don't know what went through your mind. And this is what I'm trying to ask. Then, of course, it depends on you if you want to ask, to answer. Uh, then I don't know if you understand tennis well enough, but I had one chance in the second set, which was on her serve. So it's not like I was 5-2 yeah. up or serving for the match. That's quite different, I would say. But um, anyway, I think I didn't play that bad. Maybe you saw a different match, but I thought just she played great tennis in the first set. She was just playing um, super aggressive. She was going for shots and I maybe didn't play my best. I didn't serve that, that great, uh, especially early in the match, but um, that's how it is sometimes. But I'm not a robot, so I don't have to play every day amazing. You know, Pliskov is somebody who, yeah, frustra frustration, you just lost. Obviously, you're number one, you lose second round. No matter what kind of asterisks people or whatever, not even asterisks, I want to use the A word here, but like whatever kind of caveats and context comes with this tournament, still like that that hurts to be a number one lose to a player who you, I think she had a pretty good record against Garcia previously. She did say impressed in the match before, like she didn't expect, it was like not unbeatable, was with the, which, you know. Well, but see, here's the weird thing about that quote, that not unbeatable quote, is that I really feel like people keyed in on that aspect of what was like a three sentence answer yeah, where she spent the Garcia. other 2.5 sentences talking about how good Garcia was and how she shouldn't be unseated at this event, how she's very dangerous, how her serve is really good. Like she talked her up and because I only know this because I posted that quote from the insider account and the responses that I was getting back from people was like, like, oh my God, she's going to destroy Garcia. Like Garcia has no chance. So this whole weird, like, oh, she's unbeatable. No, she was saying that like, she's amazing. She's not unbeatable. And then very next sentence after that was, I have to, so I have to play well. Like, I hate the one, I just really, I know that this is what fandom does. I know this is what people do, but I really, really hate it. I really do. Like, she was so complimentary to Caroline Garcia and like, People act like she walked into this match being like, absolutely, I'm not going to lose to you. The whole sentence, like I was in the press conference, I maybe asked the question, was like, she's very, I, this is not a good second round. And, you know, and for her, I mean, she was made it clear last week in Cincinnati, which I'd mentioned, I think, on the podcast that these courts in, in U.S. Open didn't suit her. She she wasn't a fan of it, that she had to adjust. And one of the big things that you saw um, in her match against Kudermatova and then that you saw in this match against Garcia, who to and Caroline admitted this as well. She's like, yo, because I said to her, I was like, oh, you have played so aggressive in this match. Like, where did that come from? Was that a tactic? And she was like, I don't think I played more aggressive than I ever play typically. It's just that they were landing in. <laughs> so it made me look like I was being more aggressive. Like she was very self-deprecating about it. But she was like, no, that's what I'm always trying to do. And today it all happened. But for, for Pliskova, yeah, the, the speed of the courts, her return was late so consistently throughout um, her stint in New York over the back-to-back -back tournaments. So, yeah, it was a dangerous second round. It was when I circled... Um, you know, it's a tough loss because the number one seed is next to her name. 
But at any other WTA event where this matchup happens and you see Caroline Garcia wins in straight sets, it's not that no. like cataclysmic to me. It's like, oh, okay. In real talk, she was probably going to lose to Jen Brady next round anyway. I that was kind of always my thought. I I think Jen Brady's the the absolute bully um through that small section. Yeah. So yeah, so so Brady Garcia should be good. I'm so impressed by Jen Brady continue to be. She dismantled TC Bellis today. Um real quick. I think 51 minutes fastest match of the tournament so far. So yeah. But uh, but yeah. So it's a tough loss for for Pliskova to have to take because she has to answer for it because she's the top seed. Yeah. But she's not the top seed because she's the number 1 player in the world either. So good points all around. Uh, working the way down the draw, Angelique Kerber. I actually have not watched any of yet in this tournament, but she obviously a three-time Grand Slam champion and does well in even-numbered years, which we're still in one of. So she plays Anne Lee next. It's not a bad third-round draw, I think you'd have to say. Sure. And you would never say she has no shot against Brady. I mean, she's like, I think casual fans, I think, would look at this draw and say, oh, she's a clear favorite to make the semis. Kerber. Yeah, that's that, that's what I've been hearing from people. I totally understand that logic. I wouldn't dismiss that logic at all. I think I have watched Kerber through her first two matches. I've been very impressed. It's been very kind of like, oh, Angie and Torben got the forehand band back together and now she's choosing to hit it. That's great. Um, so that's been really good. I've been very impressed because a lot of the players have have openly said the toughest part of this restart has been um, the focus, like the in-match focus that's been six months since they've played competitive matches. Um, their focus is going in and out. And that's why you're seeing a lot of kind of like choky performances at times. So I was very surprised and very impressed that Angie really didn't have that. She's been, she's had, these have been straight set wins, but they've been tight. Um, and uh, especially today against Annalena Friedsom, who played great um, to force a, a, a second set tie break. I thought Kerber really held her nerve really well. So that was really, really positive. The one thing that I've noticed with Kerber is that she's getting, at least by my eye, I feel like she doesn't quite have her match fitness yet. Okay. So she looks fit and she's great, but she'll play like a seven, eight, nine ball rally and she'll be like just gulping air after that. That gave me a little bit of pause only because that's obviously a big strength of sure. hers. But I think I think Kerber and Brady are, are, the, are the clear odds on favorites to make it out of this quarter as of right now. And I, I just think that one of those two will be semifinalists. Should be a good fourth round when they play Brady Kerber. Yeah. I will tune into yeah. that. Absolutely. Talk about, I know we're working a little bit linearly, but there's some interesting people in this. Sorry. No, 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 no. But this is good. Ann Lee, who's Angelique Kerber's next opponent. Can you introduce us to Pennsylvania's Ann Lee, <laughs> country music fan, Ann Lee? Wimbledon, Wimbledon girls finalist, Ann Lee, in the all That's Asian right. American girls final, which someday That's you'll right. write a book about, I'm sure. Obviously, it'll be the opening chapter of the uh, triggering the uh, the in-depth look into the history of Asians in tennis. But um, but yeah, Ann Lee, really cool, really cool chick, 20 years old. I talked to her for a long time earlier this year at the Australian Open where she had qualified for her first WTA event in Auckland. She got her first main draw win. She played her first slam main draw, got a win there. Really nice young kid, honestly. Yeah, her it has athletic genes. Her parents played uh, sports in college. Her parents, I think, are, are, are uh, Chinese natives who, who moved to the States. Um, her aunt play, uh, was a professional speed skater. Ooh. 
in China, which I did not know that there was professional speed skating in China, but apparently that's true. Sure. 2022 Olympics, baby. Exactly. Pro speed skater and was coached by her uncle. So there's and her father played college soccer. Her mother ran track. So a lot of um, support there. And I what the thing that I found really, really interesting about Ann Lee when I spoke to her, because any Asian American who speaks to another Asian American is always going to ask, yo, are your parents cool with what you're doing? And she was like, my parents have been totally cool the whole time. Like I didn't. You know, I didn't want to go to play college tennis. I wanted to go pro immediately. My parents were super supportive of that. I did high school online so that I could, like, commit to tennis and stuff. So that was quite unique and, and not necessarily the the rote Asian-American sporting story. So mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. But unbelievable tournament for her so far. I mean, uh, two really, really strong wins. Obviously, first round, Aronska Rus. I guess is how we're as how it's pronounced. I I just I didn't know it was Aronska. Actually, you know what? I think I'm more surprised that it's not Rus that it's Russ. Anyways, <laughs> Aronska Russ, <laughs> um, Dutch, beautiful language, beautiful language. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ann Lee beats her in the first uh, the first round, and then turns around and beats Ali Risk. And this gets to the point that I was saying about Carolina Pliskova and, and kind of talking to the players and getting a sense of whether they were comfortable. Ali Risk after her first round win. She was so kind enough to do to really kind of spend time with the press. It was past midnight. And I asked her, I was like, Allie, you know, fast courts, low bouncing. This is this just has your name all over it. And she kind of was like, yeah, not really. Like, she's like, yeah, I know that I'm good at Wimbledon. I love the grass courts at Wimbledon. But everybody has to remember Wimbledon has slowed down. Mm. And the bottom line is that, like, she was like, she was saying that she and Bethany, thought that these courts were like, first of all, they were playing lightning fast and that they reminded them of like indoor Midland 100K ITF like level of speed. And Ali brought up the thing that I have said the last week and a half, which is when the courts are quick, it takes time away from players who like to be first strike and they can lose control. And that was, I think, what you saw, what I saw with Pliskova, particularly on return. And Ali was kind of saying the same thing to us, basically saying that, you know, it's tough because I I lose time on my shots um, and I feel late um, and things like that. So she didn't sound very. So after I had that conversation with her, I was like, oh, wow, you don't you don't sound too confident on these courts. Yeah. So I kind of started to dial back my Fair. my uh, my feelings about her. That's more where I think that Kerber as a kind of counterpuncher might be better suited by the speed. And this goes to, you know, people's misconception, I think, of at least in modern tennis, like big servers liking fast courts. That's not the case. Isner's out. Opelka's out. Those are guys who you would think would be like speed demons. And granted, Opelka played golf and first. It was a rough draw. But like, you'd think that Isner would still be here. But no, Isner needs time because when he's speed of the court, as we saw in 2010 at Wimbledon against Mahout, it makes him way less effective on return. Right. right. And so that's the biggest that's thing. That's the biggest thing. He'll get points on a serve regardless. That's the thing. You take away his returning ability. You take away their ability to get to net. It's it's even harder to kind of get to net um, because they, they lose time. So that's the thing about it. And and so, yeah, with with Ali risk, that was that was going to be a big, tough one. And, you know, interestingly, when I was speaking to Ali, I was like, hey, um, you know, we, we're talking about Pliskova. We're talking about Kvitova. People see the speed of the court. Serena. You know, but what put your analyst hat on and you tell me what is the player that's going to do well on this surface? And Allie thought about it and she was like, it's going to be somebody who can dig balls out. And I was like, Kerber. Yeah. We'll see. That's Angie. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's something to keep in mind. Angie, the Angie Renaissance is back. (laughs) Moving on to this next section. I have less to say about this next section. 
Sasnovich gets through, not really surprising. Putin Seva, very businesslike through two matches. Uncharacteristically businesslike, I will say, for Yuli Putin Seva. No nonsense, Yuli Putin Seva, not what we call her. Mardich is through here in, in relatively straightforward matches. Still not, even though she's a high seed at number eight, I don't love her chances in this kind of conditions. I expect her to be in some trouble against probably... She's not a... Fa she, no. she says it herself. She's not a, a quick court player, so she's managing. Yeah, she's managing. But the one who I want to... The match I want to talk about, the one match, is obviously the Gracheva Mladenovic match. So this is one of the all-time comebacks in tennis, really, being done 6-1, 5-1, and winning. So Varvara Gracheva, who I saw for the first time last year in Washington, she was playing a great match against Shea Suey, and like really feisty... I think I kind of... We miss you, Shea Suey. Yeah. Oh, definitely. But kind of like a Krunichian kind of player, I think it's fair to say. Like, undersized, feisty, creative. Lots of people will enjoy her when they when they watch her for the first time, whenever they get to. I wonder what you think of this match. Mladenovic was very cranky afterwards. But she was talking... I mean, there was a relatively savage tweet from Bastion of the Mortaglu Academy. <laughs> he was quote tweeting. So the quote from them, it says, I was playing well, but was feeling on the edge. What they are forcing us to go through is abominable. I want my freedom back. I feel like we are prisoners here. Bastion responds, Mladenovic was allowed by the organizers to play a tournament she shouldn't have been allowed to play. Blew a 6-1-5-1 lead to exit said tournament, blame the organizers and not herself. It's a take. It's a take. He said it sounds about she right. She sent a tweet later saying that it was it was her worst loss and that it's on her and she can't blame anyone but herself. Okay, I did not see that. Just That's, good to fully, That's good to know. I did not see that. Just to fully sp just give context to all that, yeah. Anyhow, yeah, this is a big result. And we were talking about it before the show, obviously. Gracheva did not want to coming in because requests have... US Open's trying their best. There have been hiccups for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what do, you make of, what do you make of a result like this? What is, what is a match like this kind of dramatic pivot? What does that, yeah. that do? Because it was obviously a huge talking point early in the day. It was the match everyone it was. was talking about. It, it, was, it, was, it was a non-story until it became a story, right? Yeah. Like, it's one of those things. And, you know, like with Gracheva not having any press requests, it's one of those situations where, like, at the start of the day, unless you were a Russian reporter. And there are no Russian reporters would, who seem to be covering the tournament, by the way. Yeah, there would be no, you know, requests. And then the minute that it became a story was pretty much when she had taken that second set. And even then, you're like, well, but if Mladenovic obviously pulls it out in three, and that third set went so fast that I think that people just couldn't get the request in on time, which is a bummer. But yeah, I mean, as as Kiki herself admitted, like, you know, it's 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 a tough loss. That's a big opportunity missed for her because, you know, she's obviously, she played Martich, I think, in the semifinals of Clay Tournament. I cannot remember where last year. Um, and it was a long, like, really protracted match. And But she would have liked her chances, I think, on a faster court against Martich and then would have played either Sasnovich, Potenceva. I mean, you're looking at Kiki Mladenovic, potential U.S. Open quarter finalist there, which would have been a huge boost. But I, I'll be honest, I didn't see much of the match because it just was happening when 20 other things were happening. And so I don't really know how Gracheva pulled it off in the second set in particular. But I did watch the third set and Mladenovic just looked absolutely wiped. Um, but yeah, that's that's a tough loss. Um, she's still in doubles, obviously. They're the top seeds, Mladenovic and Babosh. Mm -hmm. um and i will not comment on her comments about the tournament so that's where i stand officially officially where to, way to go naomi osaka is through uh, the next quarter through two matches very impressive against camilla georgie two and one sorry one and two georgie speaking of comments i went i'm writing i was writing a story about osaka and i went in there knowing i probably wouldn't get much out of camilla georgie but thought she'd at least acknowledge that osaka had been on the court i didn't really get that <laughs> honestly i didn't really get that from her she's saying it's all about me da 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 da, da. it was even by her standards, uh, special. 
Naomi Osaka looks really good. I think, you know, she's my pick if if she stays healthy. And that's obviously the if. She should be able to win this tournament. I really do think. Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, I think that you could say that, though, four days ago. Like, I don't think necessarily. George, the Georgie win was, was reassuring to me. For sure. It was Spanking reassuring. Georgie one and two. Because that's, it was, that's decisive. Yeah. It was it was that was definitely like one of those like uh oh matches because you just never know with Camilla right. and you don't know with Naomi and if she comes out and she just can't find the court for twenty minutes that's the first set and then you know the pressure builds and who knows right so yeah I was super impressed by Naomi today I think that and she said it herself that was the best match she's played since the restart including all of her wins in Cincinnati and yeah I mean you would you would like her chances against Kostyuk you would you know if she has to play Contivate again. Again, that was a very tight match. I think Hantavit's playing really, really well. So I still think that that's a bit more of a 55-45 there. I think it's pretty close. Mm. That's, a, that's a close number. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was I was, I was, was joking about this earlier on Twitter about how I just sat in my desk for 45 <laughs> seconds because I, love this I was genuinely off the top of my head trying to remember if Naomi Osaka had ever played Petra Kvitova. And for 44 of those seconds, I was convinced that they had never played <laughs> And then everything came and hit me at once. I was like, oh, right. Australian Open 2019 final, three sets. And Shenzhen, uh, WTA finals, also three sets, three grueling sets. So, yeah, there's something about that matchup that clearly just tears me to pieces that I just don't remember the results that they ever happened. But, yeah, if Osaka and Kavitova were to play in the quarters, especially on this court, I think I would enjoy that very, very much. Have you gotten the sense, I mean, there's one of the main topics and. Uh, Parankova on the show yesterday talked about this, about how the outers are so much faster than the stadiums, people think. I mean, so maybe is Ash, I haven't heard too much. I, people think Ash and Armstrong are slower, I guess, but still fast yeah. by previous year standards, which by the, just side note, thank you. I have an opinion on this. It's good. So thank you for fast courts. Speaking of Shenzhen, Love next it. time, fast courts, please. Yeah, I, I would be curious to see that too. And they will speed up. Courts do speed up over the course of the tournament gradually as they get weathered a bit and worn down a bit and the grit wears off. Uh, yeah, so Osaka, I think, is currently my pick to win the tournament. I, I got to think so. Um, but again, there's still a long way to go. I'm not saying anything confidently these days, but I just like it's like what you're saying about risk, you know, or, or Pliskova, like reading the discomfort. I, I see a lot of comfort with Naomi right now, despite yeah. the physical injury. I see her being incredibly at peace on court and off. Really feels like she's doing the right things, you know, on court and off. And she's obviously doing a lot of things in both categories there. So big props to her yeah I, I feel the same I mean I think that you know if I look at this this top half I mean it really is you know Naomi Petra I mean Petra hilariously when you ta ask her about the court speed she's like I mean it's faster but it's not that fast when everybody else is like this is lightning fast look, I was so... at that Fed Cup final in 2014 which was illegally <laughs> yeah. fast court in Prague it was, it was like the limit is like between like I don't know 19 and 50 on the court scene this was like a 54 <laughs> It was like <laughs> over and they were and Czechs did not care. And the Germans were like, whatever. And that, God the, bless the Czechs. Was, and and it was, was epic it because was it was Kvit of a Kerber, right? That, that one match. One of the best matches I've ever been at. It was one of the, Absolutely. it was like, I had to remind myself I was there because it was such a random event for me to have been at this. Because I was only a Fed Cup tie. I've only been to two Fed Cup ties ever. One Belarus, USA one in first round when Venus was coming back from Sjogren's and 2012. And then one. Yeah, and then that one. It would have to be like a weekend I was in Europe, like between events. I was like, oh, I, I'll go there. That was one of the better decisions I've made. But uh, that match was great. The last player I want to talk they about. They could face in the semifinals. Yeah, exactly. Kerber Kavitova. Absolutely. That would be a good one. 
The last player I want to talk about tonight at any length is the player who I was actually hoping to get on the show as a guest tonight. Sally, again, US Open Snuff, it was requested not go through, but Madison Brengel of Delaware. Uh, there's a there's a possibility, I think it's currently around 70%, according to Nate Silver, that the next president will be from Delaware. I'm not sure that shouldn't be Madison Brengel, <laughs> you know, because the, the performance she had tonight was, well, actually, her whole tournament was great. I want to play a clip of the video that she posted with her very close friend, uh, Arena Rodinova, before they were going to play each other in the first round. My dear, are you ready to play me? Are you going to hit to my forehand or to my backhand? Over your little head. <laughs> Madison Brengel then beats uh, Arena Rodinova two and two. They share another insta-post of them like toasting their Sutter Home wine bottles together in the uh, in the locker room or somewhere, I forget, afterwards. And then she comes out and plays Sanya Shremska, who's a highly touted, you know, big hitter, People talk about her a lot as, a, as an up-and-comer. Brengel dismantled her. Like, it was like, it's, I've watched a bunch of Brengel wins. Like, <laughs> I feel like all of them. <laughs> There's not that many. In, ter- in terms of, like, big Brengel <laughs> wins, say, right? I can remember, like, I've, them very clearly. Because yeah. the, what she does, in terms of being an incredibly underpowered player, her serve is non-existent, pretty much. She makes so much of her modest weapons. And honestly, she reminds me why I love tennis. Because to see someone who's not physically stronger who can beat players who hit harder, are faster, stronger, younger, more highly tatted, whatever, just through like pure like guile on court and from like craft and just like knowing how to make them uncomfortable. Brengel is totally that. And she was doing it so consistently in this match against Yashremska two and three. It was got, the third set was, the second set was like a, not as, it felt like Yashremska had chances to like maybe flip it. Like we felt like if Yashremska got on track, she could roll. There was she, a three-game stint where Yashremska was just banging every single ball in. Games, she yeah. was, yeah, and she had broken back and all this sort of stuff. And it looked like, oh, Bre- uh, Yashremska's coming back. And Brangle just slammed the door. And I totally agree with you. I mean, she she's underpowered on the serve. What I thought today, though, when she was kind of actually hanging in those rallies with Yashremska, like forehand to forehand and stuff, that I was like, oh, that actually kind of surprised me a little bit, her ability to absorb that pace. And, she can absorb it. But she she can just, absorb it, yeah. She can absorb it. But like, yeah, just, I mean, she 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 plays troll tennis. I mean, yeah. she, you know, you know exactly what she's trying to do. There were so many of these kind of rallies where I would see her play them where, yeah, the pace and the placement of the ball was different every time. Yastrzemska couldn't get like a good rhythm on the ball. And she was just like... Yeah, let's go cross court forehand. Go ahead. I know. Th- I know you want to pull the trigger down the line. Yeah. I know it. Do it. Do it. The trap. And then Yashremska, yeah. yeah. And then Yashremska would and then would completely spray it, you know, two yards wide. And then on the very next point, Brengle would go and stay, stay cross court and was just like, I know you want to go line. I know you want to go line, but you just missed line. So I know actually that at some point you are going to pull the trigger even for an even harder cross court forehand. Sure enough, buried it bottom of the net. Like, and it's that little that chess game that just makes it kind of joyous to watch. Like yeah. while you're watching, because you're like, I kind of know what you're trying to do, and it's kind of mean, <laughs> not mean, but like it's it's brutal. But you're right. <laughs> like you know, like it's it's kind of amazing. There's a savagery about it, and and then she goes in her encore interview, which is again my favorite moment of the day. And I'll just play this, the the key clips, basically talking about her training regimen, and then yeah, and then the part you'll hear at the end here is when she walks off court. Arena Rodinova watching courtside, waiting for her with a I can say ice cold, but I'm sure it was not ice cold <laughs> bottle of Sutter Home Red, which they toast, and she like kind of chugs right off court. Yeah, like, I'll probably hit, like, yeah, I'll do what I did, like, yesterday. I think 
we like I hit with Arena for like 35 minutes gently, so no more than that. Plenty of effort. Well, congratulations. We're so glad you're sticking around. Good luck as you move forward. Thank you. There, there's something incredibly, again, like old school and like bon, like like pre-open air bon vivant about yes. Madison Brangle. There is. That's a very good call. That I just like it. It there that I. I don't want a whole tour of them, <laughs> but the fact that somebody, especially in this like really high paced, really high caliber, like money, 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 everyone has five people on their team. Really the f- intense, like the fact focus, that, focus, focus. The fact that Madison Brengel has this chill, whether it's a coping mechanism to deal with the stress of the tour or just like genuine personality or both. I would love to, I'm hoping to get her on the show tomorrow. <laughs> we'll see because she is a fascinating character. I've had a lot of great chats with her over the years. And to be fair, this Sutter home, this bottle of Sutter home was to celebrate Madison Brengel just made $163,000. Right? She will buy more expensive wine with that money. <laughs> she loves wine. Like, she, as, as you, she, I wrote a profile yeah. of her in the Times when she made her run in Australia, fourth round, I think, in 2015. And she played Madison Keys in the Madison Bowl, yeah. uh, the match that we called Madison Squared Garden. It's very cute. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Brengel said that she got the, bot- the wine glasses they have on the TV show Scandal, where you can pour an entire bottle into the into the glass. Like this is, she's a high caliber wine. She's consumer. a pro. She's a pro. She I also have that doing. wine glass. So it's a great glass. Anyway, props to Madison Brengel uh, for getting out there. She plays Shelby Rogers next in a battle of unstated Americans who are, and then Pagula's in the section too. So like Americans who people won't know. But who like all are intriguing and like this is not. I think people might look at the section of casual events and be like, "Oh, this is like you know, underpopulated field. Americans getting through." But like they all beat like good players to get here. Pagula beat Bozkova and Flipkins, and then Brengel beat Yastremska. Rogers beat Rabakina. Like these are like these these American women earned their way. Oh, they earned their spot here this week in New York. 100%. But also, I mean, Brengel, maybe we set aside because, but but like Rogers and Pagula have been having really good. Yeah. I mean, they're playing well. Same with Brady. You know, even Ann Lee, we haven't seen her a lot. But when we did see her last in January, she was ta- tallying a bunch of firsts, you know. So I say it all the time, you know, if you actually pay attention to the tour, sometimes these things aren't as surprising as they seem. But or you can just listen to commentators. It's up to you. <laughs> Two very different, very different options for you there. And that can do it for us, I guess, on this day three show. Courtney, thank you for being on the daily NCRs we're doing here. Of they've, course. They've been fun to do. We need to thank our new backers since the last show we have here. Three of them. They're just rolling in. It's been wild to watch and great. And thank you guys all for uh, for being up for supporting us during this time. And we're cranking these things out after day is done here. Uh, the three new backers are Rodolf Brum, Daniel Pink, and Julia Carney. So thank you to the three of them. And thank you also to our Patreon Slam Champ backers. Courtney, you weren't on yesterday's show, but I did do all the monthly ones too. It was a lot. The Patreon Slam Champ backers are Liz Kennel, Jonathan Weinbaum, Mary Carrillo, Chuang Nguyen, Betty, Audrey Wellens, Sean Mulroy, Joseph Har, Susanna W., and our GOAT backers. Now there's three of them, Mike, J-O-D, and Charles Cena. So thank you to all those people. Really appreciate very much your support. And follow us on Twitter at NCR underscore tennis and send us emails, no challenges remaining at gmail.com there. Not a plug, not inviting people to this, but I will say one of the delights of the first three days of the tournament, Courtney, it's been our group chat. We, we, you <laughs> yes. and I together assembled sort of our, <laughs> got to do our own credentialing, which was nice. Our own like, like dream media center, like people who we normally would be sitting near to kind of replicate 
the experience of being in a shared press room, sharing things, sharing gossip, sharing jokes, funny tweets, moments, whatever. And it's been great. There's some there are some all star people in that room. And it's been oh, it's it's that's been lovely. And it's uh, yeah, it's you know, that's one of the things that, yeah. I miss very, very much, aside from my patty melts and tuna melts at the U.S. Open dining area. But yeah, is just sitting amongst my friends and just being able to blow off steam. Sometimes you're done filing or a match is over or you just need a, a mental break yeah. from the thing that you're dealing with. And you just pull your headphones off and you lean back and you just start, you know, shooting the shit with the, yeah, the people around you who just happen to be based on the seating chart. You're really good friends. And so... That's been really, really lovely. And um, I think that uh, hopefully for for all of us, it, it's created some sense of normalcy and some sense of uh, being able to kind of feel like we're all in this together because it's weird. It's very weird covering a slam remotely. And like, I know for you, Ben, I mean, for me as well, like the first, yeah, the first 48 hours of, of covering the US Open was just like full of like stuff that I just hadn't thought about that would be different than yeah. covering in real life. I was thinking, you know? I was thinking like, I need to buy five more monitors for my yeah, computer. That was a like big I have one. one because like I take for granted when I'm on site in the tournament. I have never had to cover it because I'm writing like averaging more than one New York Times article a day, which extremely grateful for the work after a very dry spell of, you know, five months of there being not a tour. Very grateful for that. But like usually at a tournament, there's a you can look and see scores constantly, right? And you can get to click on a match. You always see the scores. The scores are always in peripheral vision. That's huge. I don't have that right now. Yep. Pulling up matches. You want to watch more than one match at once. I don't have that right now. And so there's just lots of things I'm you, you miss. And making the best of it, you know, not beating myself up over missing things. And I don't think anyone else is beating me up over missing things. But it's, uh, And that's also where the group chat comes in handy, too, because other people are watching things. And certain people could be, you know, watching one thing or another. And, you know, I got messages from somebody complaining about how apparently they didn't stream. I don't know if they got moved to another quarter, but they apparently didn't stream Vickery versus Townsend. I don't know if you heard about this. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Anyway, I've or if it wasn't it wasn't working, whatever. So this was like wasn't the most popular match, honestly. But some people were trying to watch it. Anyway, there's just things that you. Well, to be fair, yeah. yesterday like ESPN like went down. Oh, that was like terrible. ESPN three went. That down was rough. For like like a ESPN three went down yeah. for a while, and that was like, oh, I just have to watch the main feed, and okay, and I haven't had yeah. to do that for a long time. I don't have a TV in my bedroom where my desk is, so I'm just relying on the computer. So I don't. know. It's just I feel like I'm you know kind of flying blind a lot more than i would be normally at the same time like that said i have a lot of respect for all the uh reporting people are doing about things that are going on at the u.s open without being there like there's been some impressive stuff from all the french reporters who are all over the benoit pair positive test friend of the show hopefully future guests on here ncr alex gruskin of cracked rackets who had this, this get the documents from usta about their protocols and the full list and everything like that and uh the stuff about the ptpa or that people can do remotely like it's not as good as it has been and sorry it's not as good as it, as it would be if we were on site the reporting but it's i think better than i thought it would be in terms of coming up with stories that are like actually keeping a pretty i think a pretty reasonable read on what's going on on the grounds there and i think the tv coverage has been good too i think that you know i think they have a, an interesting bench of commentators right now and the world feed commentary this is the hidden gem of the tournament world feed commentary you may not know but mary carrillo and chanda rubin stars of tennis channel are doing world feed for us open and they're so great mary carrillo they're so good mary carrillo is so always good. great 
when she kind of thinks no one's listening, she's 20 times better. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. And there's like this, this dynamic between Mary and like this, like Mary as the comedian yeah. and like Shonda as like the straight man. Mary goes off on her tangents and you'll, <laughs> it's my favorite stuff that Shonda does. Like when she kind of sasses Mary a little bit, but also kind of is just like, Right. Back to the match, though. Like, you know, and she starts like breaking down technique and Mary is still over here going on a tangent. And it's just there's this energy about it and unpredictability that makes it so eminently listenable. And somebody was tweeting me because I've been tweeting like whenever I've heard them on together, I've been tweeting, hey, you know, tune into the world feed. And somebody was like, why don't you watch ESPN? Like, do you not like them? It's like, no, it has nothing to do with not liking ESPN. The weird, the fun. Well, first of all, I really like Carrillo and Chanda as a pair. So I'm just going to listen to that. Literally have but watched one, Carrillo called dog shows. Yeah, yeah. Like if Mary Carrillo is talking about something, I will listen to her do it. Yeah. But the the other thing as well that I've found, and I, I knew this when I would cover events on, at, on site as well, is that the audio mix of ESPN. It's different is different than the world feed mix. And I'm not saying it's worse because I actually think it's more dynamic and better for people who are actively watching a match and want to be entertained. Um, but that that dynamic nature of the ESPN broadcast and the audio like distracts me like when I'm trying to work. So when I'm trying to watch passively, whereas like the world feed sound, just because it's a little bit flatter, yeah. just the way that they mix it, it just sounds like tennis to me because it's also what I hear all the time during the tour tour events. So that's why I watch like World Feed. As I mean, if I could watch the like, if I could, you know, some like if Chrissy's commentating a women's match, like I will jump over every once in a while because I love Chrissy's commentary. But yeah, but that's kind of the main thing. Is like I'm on World Feed because it just the audio sounds better to me for my ears. Like it doesn't distract me. That's one other change is that media centers at slams we get raw feeds with no commentators for courts. Yeah. And yeah. I miss that because like in terms of being able to have it on and not have it distract you, especially I feel like a lot of commentators are there, there's no crowds. They're, I think maybe some of them, not all of them, but some of them are kind of like over getting excited oh. about things to make up for the lack of which I respect that decision fully to try to keep people engaged in the match it has no other soundtrack to it. But yeah, it's that's something I miss too is, is the no the no commentator feed. Yeah. And it's only because we are watching passively. A right. lot of the time, watching until while we're watching out articles, yeah, while doing other things. So it's like, yeah. yeah. So I don't want people to think that it's because it's not. I mean, I love the ESPN team. It's just that, yeah. It's just, it's almost like too interesting. Whereas, like when Carrillo and Chander are talking, it just sounds like two friends like talking while I'm working. It, it just, yeah. I don't know. It's show. I mean, ESPN me. is the E is for entertainment. It's like Showtime on ESPN, and, and a, there's music. It's a production, you know what I mean? and it's good music. The times when I've tuned in, I've like Google some song. I'll figure out what song was make it the outro. It was like, I was like, oh, this is cool. It's like classic kind of like women's match lady empowerment anthem for ESPN broadcast. I've heard them. I've loved um, them. It's called Kathy Perry, uh, Katy Perry Firework. <laughs> no, it's Roar it's a, is what you're thinking of. It's the oh, WTA Roar, song. sorry. Well, yeah. yeah, Roar is, you're right. Yeah, that is the WTA song. <laughs> Just, 2012 we'll to 2015 it. <laughs> it was it. Oh my God. Then the fight song it. came along and we dropped the whole genre. So well, anyhow, yeah. <laughs> well, Thank you guys for we listening do. to uh Sorry we rambled. NCR. That was my That's fault. Fine. No, no, it's good. It's good to catch people up. And we'll have more content for you later in the week. Uh, tomorrow. We're doing this three for three or four for three. And we did the day zero episode with Blair. So, yeah. Thanks for being here, Courtney. Thanks for guys for listening. And we'll see you next time. Enjoy the open. Stay safe, guys. Bye. Wear your masks. Please. Or you'll get to find like Dominic team. What the hell? <laughs> Queens on the throne, we were pop 
Champagne and raise a toast.